Curiosity. Kill the rat. Curiosity. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Curiosity Killed the Rat, our season finale for yeah. this year, for this season, season number two. Season Can't, can two. you believe we've been doing this for two years now? I truly cannot. <laughs> like, how are honest we... to gosh, I truly, oh my how goodness. are we still doing this? I, I was Barely. impressed when we made it to like three episodes and now we've done so many. We're it's hanging so, on so by the skin of our teeth. So, yeah. Uh, my name is Matt. I am a science enthusiast. I'm speaking from lands traditionally owned by the Noongar people, and I am joined as always by my fantabulous, um, fantabulous. overworked, <laughs> tired, worn out oh. co-host, Kate. Yeah, How no, are you, Kate? <laughs> yeah, uh, overworked, tired, and worn out pretty much sums it up, but uh, nah, we're good, we're good. Um, the enthusiasm of science will rally me through because I... Yeah, I yes, as as Matt said, I'm my name's Kate. I'm a scientist, a neuroscientist, uh, specifically, if you care. Um, <laughs> and I, I am recording, speaking from lands traditionally owned by the Wurundjeri people. Um, so, Matt, so what final, are we talking about today? On final episode. I mean, our last episode before we come back around for 2022 Electric Boogaloo. Oof. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Botox. Botox. Uh, yeah, or more specifically, okay, so like the episode, we'll probably call the episode Botox, and it mm -hmm. is like Botox because everyone knows what Botox is or like, you know, knows what-ish what I'm talking about when I say Botox. Mm -hmm. uh, but like Botox is actually like a branded name of one of the many oh. brand versions that you can get of. Anyway, so what I'm talking about is something that's called botulinum toxin or botulinum neurotoxin. Right. I always um, thought that Botox was just like a a shorthand for well, bo it's botulinum. Well, short for like botulinum yeah. toxin, right? Botox. But I didn't realize but, um, it was a um it was a brand thing that we've just kind of adopted like, you know, yeah, Panadol like for paracetamol and, or Google. Yeah. And, um yeah, and it refers yeah, it refers to mostly cosmetic use, which like I'll touch on the fact that like botulinum toxin can be used for botulinum, botulinum, uh, mm. toxin can be used for a number of different things, but like I'm jumping ahead of myself because mm -hmm. the reason I want to talk about this is because I remember vaguely learning about this in undergrad and thinking it was fucking wild that people get this shit injected into their faces. Not from like a, like, I want to make it very clear from the outset. Like I am not judging anyone that gets Botox. Like, mm -hmm. You know, your body, your choice, you know, you know, I, I am not a, you know, purist who doesn't like anyone who sees like I'm covered in tattoos. I've got a stretched <laughs> earlobe. My hair is currently bright green, like modify your body as it pleases you go nuts. But the reason that I was kind of like alarmed is because it's actually one, like, actually this is, this is a dead set quote from one of the things I read, uh, that about botulinum neurotoxin is uh, one of the deadliest biological substances known to mankind. I, I, like, I had heard that before. It's literally like, the world's like most poisonous fucking poison. Which is crazy uh, that we uh, have decided to, you know, be like, okay, but you know, I'm going to uh -huh. use that for cosmetic purposes or use I'm that, I'm going to use know, that to get casually. rid of some wrinkles. I didn't uh, realize yeah. it was a neurotoxin though. And I think Yeah, that's... but this is why I got excited about it because it, it the way it works, which mm. I'll explain, uh, is to do with neuroscience. So, okay. you know, my little, my neck of the woods. But, um, you know, to give you, so like, it's not actually that unusual that 
we've taken something that is poisonous or in nature and harnessed it in smaller doses for medical reasons like there there's lots of history of that happening and like Mm -hmm. i think in a previous podcast i've given the quote of like it's the dose that makes the poison i think it was a we had a listener question i was about to bring that up actually because you know it's the most you know toxic thing but we use it so clearly that shows how i think the quote was lethality is in the dose um, it's the, yeah, I think, yeah, it's the dose that makes the poison. So, but like to give you an idea of like just how fucking deadly this shit is, imagine one teaspoon um, of this stuff like vaporized. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would kill millions of people. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, because like what it, what it does, like the, the too long don't read version, I'll get into it, but what it does is it paralyzes your muscles. And if you stop muscle contraction, like... I'd just like to point out that the way we breathe is we've got a muscle called uh, the diaphragm yes. that contracts to expand our lungs, lets air in, it, mm-hmm. you know, relaxes to let air out. So if we want air to come into our lungs, mm. we need our diaphragm muscle to contract. If you've inhaled this neurotoxin like, and it gets mm. down to your diaphragm, like that becomes paralyzed and you you can't breathe, not from uh, a problem with the lungs, but because your lungs literally, can't like the move. muscle is it's just paralyzed. paralyzed. And so you suffocate. And the heart as um, well, right? It could just stop your heart beating, paralyze your heart, right? Because that's a muscle. Well, yeah, yeah. Cardiac muscle tissue. There's lots of different types of muscle tissue and that gets a bit complicated. But yeah, like another, another like way that it can kill you is through like, you know, if you, if you eat it, and this is actually a thing before I get to, but you know, if you eat it, it can get into your bloodstream and paralyze all sorts of other muscles. And this is an yeah. actual thing. So like, let's just, you know, before I get too into the, the, the hype of the neuroscience of it all, um, I think mm-hmm. we need to start with a little history lesson because okay. it's just, it's just whack. Right. So Go on. how did um, we, how did we come by this incredibly deadly neurotoxin yeah. one how do we find it? And two, when did we first realize that, oh, this is a little bit. It makes can... our faces look sexy. Yeah. Like Whack. A... Um, okay. I will tell you. I will tell you all of that. And it's okay. a ride and it's a joy. And I'm, I'm very, very hyped for this. should have made popcorn. Let's go. Uh, all right. So let's start here. Botulinum toxin is produced by a bacteria. A bacteria okay. called Clostridium botulinum. You don't... I'm using a lot of long fucking jargony words, but let's just call it the bacteria for the moment. Okay. Um, and we're just going to call botulinum toxin Botox. Yep. For for the ease of ease, but we're talking that about a specific to toxin. Because I'm not going to be able to pre- consistently pronounce no. botulinum Fuck. toxin for the length Me of the episode. neither. So <laughs> yeah. Botox is a toxin produced okay. by this specific bacteria specific bacteria right Mm -hmm. so we think that the first person to try and figure out how it works or whatever was was a german doctor whose name i have written right in front of me and i'm why i do this to myself i can never pronounce names i apologize um german doctor justinus justinus i think probably justinus yeah the because german they they do um dr kerner i think yeah dr dr kerner so in about the 1800s um he observed amongst a bunch of patients who, of all things, had eaten spoiled sausages. Um, he pre- he observed things like muscle weakening, mm-hmm. gastrointestinal problems, mm-hmm. and eventually like respiratory, so like breathing failure, and yep. like they died. It was it was bad. Uh, fun side note: fifty like fast forward fifty years, and some other guy names this particular illness, mm. uh, names it botulism. 
because the word botulus means sausage in Latin. <laughs> and it all stems back to this, like the first time it was kind of recorded was in these like spoiled sausages. So and it's, so it's literally like the sausage Sausage disease, toxin. Which is, oh my God. Sos- yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the sausage illness that the sausage comes from illness. the toxin. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> botulism. And so hilarious. But anyway, back to Dr. Kerner. Um, mm. All these people have, like, died, and he's like, okay, there must be some kind of poison in the sausage meat that was, like, interfering with their nervous system. Yeah. And he figures out it's the nervous system because, like, you know, think back to those symptoms that I mentioned, right? They're they're all related to nerves. If you've got muscle weakness. Yeah. Like, think about muscles. Muscles need nerves to activate, mostly. Not all muscles. Skeletal muscle, anyway, needs a nerve impulse to contract. Otherwise, it does nothing, which is, like I said, how... Yes. Yeah. So he was like, okay, that's a nervous system thing. Digestive system, that's quite well innovated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then respiratory failure, like I explained before with the diaphragm, like yeah. it's all nerve related. Yeah. And so it kind of like, that's about as far as they got for a while. Um, I want to, before we go further with this story, I have a very niche reference that I want to make here that I know at least one of our listeners would get, but it Mm -hmm. will literally be like one person. But anyone who has watched Julian the Phantoms, a kids TV show on Netflix, it's amazing. Um, (laughs) The, the, the band spoiler alert, you find out in the first episode, the band, the band dies by eating like hot dogs, bad hot dogs, sausages. Anyway, my head canon is that they died of botulism. Um, the mm. sausage disease. Like, well, that would make sense, right? Sense. Spoiled, spoiled sausages. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, literally, what else could it be? Common food right? poisoning? No, that couldn't kill a No, band. that won't kill you. This will. So there you go. All my Julian the Phantoms, Jap fans out there, that is that is how your boys died. You're welcome. Solved it for and you. And to Kenny those Otega, who found that the reference was too niche, it's okay. I'm there with you. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I know. Respect I nonetheless. Just, <laughs> I know, actually, no, I know at least two of our listeners uh, will, will be on board, so we're fine. Hey, shout out um, those two. Would you like me to? Go shout on, out go Riley, on. shout out Reid. Oh, shout um, out Riley and Reid. <laughs> both our names, there we go. Anyway, not the point. Let's uh, let's continue with our story. So yep, let's, yep, let's fast yep. forward about 100 years from old mate Dr. Kerner. Mm-hmm. So halfway through this time, the, the disease was named botulism. Yep. And then we've got a Belgian bacteriologist. Mm-hmm. I, yep, words. Belgian, someone who studies bacteria, mm-hmm. named Emil van Emengem. I mm. <laughs> that can't be right. I mean, Emengem. Emil van Emengem. Emengem. I am so so sorry <laughs> to everyone who listens to our podcast who has a difficult to pronounce name that is currently like hating me because I am that person <laughs> that will struggle. Hey, as long your as you're trying not. your best, I feel that's all that matters, right? Yeah. You're not butchering it on purpose and you do No, I'm, I'm trying. Anyway, that's... old old mate bacteriologist. That's not even easier to say than the name. Far out. <laughs> so, boy. This, this person that studied Backer Boy. Backer Boy. Yeah. He was there there was there was a botulism outbreak, obviously, in, in Belgium. Um, and he was studying it mm-hmm. and he traced it back this time not to sausages, but to cured ham. Okay. So it seems to be like a, a processed meat kind of like a you know. Uh, issue in terms of where this bacteria can survive. The irony of a cured meat giving you a disease. 
Mm, right? <laughs> Not so cured after all. And uh -huh. also, like, fun fact, even if it's vacuum sealed, the the bacteria that I mentioned that I'm not going to name again um, mm -hmm. can survive. Actually, not even survive, can thrive without oxygen. Oh, okay. So, like, lol. Well, fun, right? guess we're not safe in space, even. My goodness. <laughs> no, no. Your botulism's going to get you. Anyway, Backy Boy, he found <laughs> in this in this cured meat, yep. he found the, the bacteria, the clostridium. Tridium botulinum, mm -hmm. um, the bacteria, like he found that particular bacteria, not only in the ham, but also in the tissue of the dead people. So okay. like, he was like, okay, there, this is definitely what it's coming here. from. Like yeah. this bacteria is the, or not definitely, but like most likely this bacteria is, is our, is our culprit. Yeah. And then, you know, investigated further, did some more experiments and they were eventually able to isolate the botulinum toxin, Botox. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, for the first time, <clears throat> you know, okay, this is where I'm going to take a little sidebar for my fellow geeks that are just like, you know, who want this information or who are going to like nitpick me for being like, it's not just like Botox isn't just like all one thing. There are in fact seven different subtypes of the botulinum toxin. Okay. Um, all of them can call cause botulism. Generally, it's the subtype A that they use cosmetically, but sometimes they use other types. The detail isn't relevant, guys. It's all the same stuff. It's all just Botox for the sake of I the argument. I am curious, though, now that you have brought same. it up, what you don't have to do a big deep dive into it, but what makes uh -huh. the different subtypes different from each other? Is it just like a weird little molecule chains to the yeah, left or to the Yeah, they fuck right, shit or... up in slightly different ways. Okay. So... I'll explain when I get to okay, it. Cool. I'll I'll point it out where it, where it differs. Yeah. So for the moment, take it Botox as just like one thing. Yeah. So you know, all right, we've figured out botulism is caused by contaminated food, mm -hmm. gets absorbed into your blood bloodstream, and then fucks up your peripheral nervous system. You get all of those symptoms we saw before, yeah. and. Because, um, like, what happens is that when you eat the bacteria mm -hmm. that's in the meat, it produces Botox in your gut. It produces this toxin in your gut. Like, your gut is the perfect fucking breeding okay. ground for this bacteria to be like, right, let's pump out this neurotoxin. So this particular like bacteria eats something and poops out Botox. I, look, the specifics of the actual synthesis of mm. the toxin from the bacteria, I didn't go, I didn't deep dive into that molecular side of things. That is so all I'm G. not sure how it does. Okay. All I know is that it does. Yep. And that it's bad. Yes. Um, but I can tell you why it's bad. Go on. Go um, on. This is, okay, this is where I got to nerd out. Okay. Because like, like I said, once it gets into your bloodstream, it then fucks up your uh, peripheral nervous system. Yep. Now the nervous system is a thing I know a thing or two about that the nervous uh, system's connected to the I brain, am a nervous bone, system bone. um because <laughs> that that's what yeah. the nervous system is right it's basically how the brain talks to the whole body that's its neural pathways kind of going yeah. down everything well i mean yeah if you want to break it down the nervous system the nervous system has two subsections your central nervous system, which is your brain and your spinal cord, mm -hmm. and then your peripheral nervous system, which is all of your other nerves. Right, everything that's connected um, to the central nervous system, which makes sense. Yeah, central, more or less. Peripheral. I mean, you've also got your enteric nervous system, which is in its in your digestive tract, and it's different. But like technicalities, yeah. essentially, you've got brain and spinal cord, and then everything all the other else. boys. Yeah. Um, and so botulinum toxin is going to fuck with all the other boys, not the brain and spinal cord, okay. but all your other nerves. Um, although it would, I don't know, if you injected it like into the brain, it would probably fuck up the brain as well. But it's just like um, the way we ingest botulism um, toxin, bo the, Botox. The, the, Botox. The, the way we ingest Botox. the Botox 
um, mm. it's gonna hit the peripheral nervous system first because that's the shit we've yeah. got on the outside. It has to go yeah, through a and like, fair bit of the body when we, before when it we gets in... to the central nervous system. Yeah, yeah. And when we inject it, we either there's two different ways you can do it. You can do you can inject it straight into a muscle and mm -hmm. then it'll like diffuse to where it needs to go, like mm -hmm. to the nerves next to it. Or you can do what's called a subcutan subcutaneous injection where you do like you like pinch up the skin and you do like just underneath the skin okay. and then it'll diffuse to where it needs to go. Right. Um, but it's not going to like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, what we do cosmetically, medically, whatever is, is, is relatively safe. Like you're not going to. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let me know, let me nerd out about the nervous system. Yes. Um, but specifically look, okay. First I'll give you the short, the, the TLDR too long. Don't mm -hmm. read mm -hmm. summarized okay. spark notes version. What Botox does is it gets into the little nerve terminals, so the, the, the little blobs at the end of your nerves mm -hmm. where neurotransmitters are released, where, you know, those chemical messengers that send from one nerve to another or from one nerve to a muscle, for example, mm -hmm. um, it gets into specifically the nerve terminals that are cholinergic, which means the ones that, rece that release acetylcholine. And then they break down the machinery that lets acetylcholine be released. Now, the reason I want to point out that it's acetylcholine mm. is because uh, I'm going to derail this for a second and just, mm -hmm. like, have a little, like, fanboy moment about Go acetylcholine. Because it's my bae. It's, like, I have it. I'm showing you, Matt, over yep. Zoom. But, like, I have a tattoo Tell of the molecular structure of everything about this because I feel arm. like unless we brought it up in a previous episode and I've just forgotten, I nah. have no fucking nah. clue what it is you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I know, like, most, most people will get their, like, caffeine or, or serotonin or dopamine molecular structure tattoos. No, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. Oh, you're, this bitch got acetylcholine. You're quirky. I'm quirky. You're not like <laughs> other people. You you don't you don't need just caffeine. You you get you some acetylcholine. Nice. <laughs> well, okay. So there's a few reasons. If you if you want to know, let's just talk about my personal life for a bit. You know, you want to know why I got acetylcholine. I do. Like, number I do. one, my, you know, my first ever first author paper, actually, and my first ever non-first author paper. Mm. My first publications were to do with acetylcholine because my master's project was all about acetylcholine and muscarinic receptors, which are a type of receptor that acetylcholine binds to. So it's very like, you know, my first science project vibe. Yeah, so but like, also, yeah. like that that's not the only reason. Mm -hmm. That is a reason why I'm, you know, probably a little bit biased. But also, <laughs> also, acetylcholine just fucking does everything. So everything? like I mentioned, right? Okay, so obviously it's in the brain. Otherwise yeah. I wouldn't study it because I study stuff in the brain yeah. and, you know, it's generally associated with stuff like cognition and also obviously reward because mm -hmm. I study addiction and that's why I care about it. Um, cheeky self spruik there, but you know, <laughs> not only does it exist in the brain, it exists in the peripheral nervous system. So all the other boys, right? Yeah. And it does so many things there. Number one, it exists at what is called the neuromuscular junction, Neuro AKA... I mean, it makes sense, right? It neuro, neuron, yep. nerve, muscular, mm -hmm. muscles, mm -hmm. and junction, where they, where they junked, um, where they join. Yep. So your neuromuscular junction is, is the part where the nerve will innovate the muscle. Okay. And the way innovate, that Innovate, do you mean by like, that's how the nerve talks to the muscle or like stimulates the muscle, yeah. gives yeah. a little signally signal? Yeah. So like, if you want to learn more about how nerves communicate or neurons communicate. We have mm. a whole episode on synapses <laughs> that you can like, Oh yes. You know, from 
Pint of Science season of one Science with Elisa. Season Car. one with Elisa. Yes. Yeah. See, I remember. Yeah. I remember that part. I don't remember the actual content of how they. No, uh, talk, that's all right. But look, I can. I can. All... I can direct you. <laughs> I'll 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 give you the like 101 of all you need to know Cliff Notes version from that episode. But if you want to do a deep dive in like how neurons communicate, we go into a lot more detail in that mm-hmm. episode. But essentially, the way neurotransmitters, which are essentially just like the little chemical boys that then get thrown across a gap. They get thrown across a gap either between a nerve and a nerve, or in this mm-hmm. case, right, between a nerve and a muscle. Yeah. Right? So you get these chemicals that get spewed out across the gap. They bind to receptors on the other side of the gap and ta-da, magic happens. Yeah. Things communicate via these chemicals. Yeah. Now, what you need to know is that let's zoom in on that nerve terminal. Let's zoom in on that little, like, you know, imagine it's like a bubble, I guess, but, you know, it's a, it's a nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, and inside that big bubble, there's a whole lot of little bubbles. Mm-kay. And inside each of those little bubbles are all of the neurotransmitters. So all of the little acetylcholine molecules Mm -hmm. are contained within their own little transport vehicles. Exactly. Mm. Like, essentially, right? And in order for the transport... Like, in order for the acetylcholine to get from its transport vehicle into that little gap so that it can, like, knock on the muscle and be like, hey, mate, wake up, do your job, Mm -hmm. um... The transport vehicle needs to fuse with the wall of the neuron. Okay. Have I lost you so far? I mean, I just had a moment while you were talking there where in my head I was like, holy fucking shit. How complicated is life? My goodness. Oh God, down to right? that level. I just had a weird little trivial yeah. realization moment of like, oh my God, biology and evolution fucking... is so complicated. How? Uh-huh chemicals have just evolved this is why into I being love able to do shit. that. So I will it's be honest, so you, lost me, you lost me a little bit just because I had a little existential crisis while you yeah, were talking. Okay. <laughs> Quick recap, right? Yeah. So we have, there are three different things that I want you to know exist. Number one, there's yeah. the muscle. Yeah. Let's just forget about synapses and nerves that talk to nerves. Listen to the other episode if you want to talk about that. Let's just talk yeah. about the neuromuscular junction. Okay. You got the muscle fiber, the yeah. muscle tissue, yeah. right? There's a tiny little gap. Yep. And then you've got the the nerve ending. Yes. Right? Muscle gap Ins- nerve. Muscle gap nerve. Inside the nerve ending, yep. we have lots of little transport vehicles, lots of little bubbles, lots of little ships. They're yep. called vesicles. But they're, they're little things that contain all of the acetylcholine molecules. Yep. So the acetylcholine molecules aren't just free-floating in the nerve end waiting to, like, crawl their way out, mm. right? They're actually contained in their own little ships. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for the acetylcholine to get into the gap, because ultimately that's what you want, is you want it to get into the gap so that it can go bind to the muscle and wake the muscle up, make the muscle contract. That's the end goal. In order for it to bind, a couple things need to happen. Mm -hmm. There are proteins, or essentially like machinery, right? Like that there's machinery attached to the nerve ending and there's machinery attached to the transport vehicles and they like they're proteins that twirl into each other and they bind and they fuse and it's yep. essentially i don't know i think of it as like a docking bay where yeah. you've got these like docking arms reaching out but then you've also got these little like arms on the ships as well reaching yeah. out towards they're the holding dock hands and it so pulls cute. them together yeah um and eventually then the ship then fuses with the wall that's where the analogy kind of falls apart that's why i was like thinking yeah. of them as bubbles because i feel like bubbles do fuse yeah together, because bubbles but... can pop and kind of you know 
and fuse. And fuse. Um, but, you know, think of it, yeah, as a docking bay. They've reached out. The arms have reached. Although you kind of get that then... fusing with a docking bay. Like, I'm imagining, you know, a space shuttle yeah, pulling there's... up to the International Space Station. The uh, the tubey, bridgy boy comes out and connects. And True. then the doors can open. True. And the things inside and, the space shuttle and the can access. Can, you can go in between. And people can disembark the ship disembark. and go on to the... So in a way, yeah, they are fused okay. in that moment. Right. There we go. I like it. Yeah. I love it. This is, this is good. This is a good analogy because... Yeah. Okay. So that that is what happens when like that's what we need to happen when we want our muscles to contract right i would also just like to continue to just like shout out acetylcholine it doesn't just do that Mm. it also acts in your what's called your autonomic nervous system so your you know your fight or flight or your rest and digest also innovates your sweat glands okay does fucking everything right it's so it's just the little the little uh, it's a promiscuous molecule it's the talkie boys for all of the nerves to all of the different muscles right it's just i just have a lot of respect it does a lot of heavy lifting around <laughs> the body um and i love it anyway mm-hmm. now that we've got our nice little like analogy explanation of how what we want to happen at a neuromuscular junction. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about Botox. Let okay. me tell you about what that's the fuck right. it does. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. Forgot There's a reason a I had to establish <laughs> this premise. I was so deep down um, the rabbit hole of, um, I've already forgotten the name of the chemical. Um, acetic acetylcholine. Acetylcholine. Um, I mean, that whole like vehicle fusing analogy, mm. like that happens in all nerves with like all neurotransmitters. Like okay. that's not unique to acetylcholine. That's just how nerves um, talk to muscles. But at the neuromuscular junction, it's acetylcholine. Like yeah. acetylcholine is the one that does the muscle thing. Okay. But like, you know, the similar thing happens in a dopamine neuron talking to another dopamine neuron. On. You've right. got vesicles. You've got. They're called snare proteins. The machinery, the like the, the machinery tube that reaches is the out proteins, and grabs, and that exists um, between all of the nerves to talk to each other. But specifically for nerves talking to muscle things, it's acetylcholine inside these proteins that is doing that particular talky-talky. Well, they're not in the protein. Acetylcholine isn't in the proteins. They're in bubbles made of actually like fats. Um, oh, okay. But so the bubbles to the, are made like, of fatty fats bubbles. and then carrying these uh, bubbles is the protein, proteins. like okay. protein arms reaching out of these fatty ships. Yeah, yeah I guess. Um, and also like the, the nerve membrane is, is made of fat, but it's got like protein arms that extend out and join to the protein arms of the ship. And, yeah. You know, okay. And no, fuse I'm with the fat with the fat. And I'm with you. That's what happens. Yeah. Right. So good old Botox. What it does is it manages to sneak its way into the nerve ending. Yeah. And it will just go like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> get out its chainsaw and start like fucking chopping to bits the machinery, yeah, the, the docking proteins, right. the snare proteins. So, you know, the tunnel that allows the acetylcholine bubble mm-hmm. to bind and fuse and, you know, allows the passengers to disembark and wake up the muscle. So cutting off the machinery, leaving the acetylcholine. What is it? Acetylcholine. Acetylcholine trapped inside their little fatty bubbles, not able to connect to the muscle and cause it to actually do the thing. Yeah. Right. Like it gives me very like, you know, Finding Nemo, the the vibes from the first Finding Nemo movie right at the end when they finally escape the tank, but they're stuck in their little plastic baggies mm. and they're all just like, oh, what now? <laughs> yeah. Like they can't interact and they can't, you know, they're just... That's that's what Botox does to acetylcholine. It like right. traps it in its own little fat bubble, so it can't disembark and wake such up a, the muscle a and do its job. a simple thing for a chemical to do, but by cutting off that really, really simple, small thing in our bodies, that has such a detrimental effect to us. Because yeah, it fucking paralyzes the muscle. 
if the muscle yeah, can never receive exactly. this chemical, never gets the signal, can never do the thing. Fuck. Okay. Now, okay. You say never, but you want to know something fucking crazy that I didn't know until I started researching this more. Botox is temporary. Oh, what? It's not like a one and done deal. I always thought that like cosmetic Botox and stuff was just like a it's one like, and done. It's like you've got it and that's it for the rest of your you life, got it you know? It. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it lasts like three to six months, sometimes up to a year, depending on the like, once again, depending which strain you use, there's all sorts of, but essentially uh, in like three months, you have to go get it done again. So like Hollywood actors will mm. like time their movies. So if they need to be able to show, you know, facial mm. expressions to act good, they'll, you know, let the Botox wear uh. off and then they'll go get their injections for all the red carpet and promo shit they do afterwards. I wonder. Like it's, I, if, like, I, I I don't imagine you've done research into this, but I wonder if as a result of getting Botox, because of course that paralyzes the muscle, so you're not using that muscle for three to six months, do you get like atrophy in your face muscles if you use well, continual see, Botox the, over time? The theory actually goes is that Botox not only like helps treat the wrinkles in the sense that like, if you're not able to move those muscles, your skin doesn't furrow and you don't get the wrinkles. It's actually mm. preventative against like, wrinkles eventually because the way wrinkles can form is because your skin loses its elasticity from overuse oh. so from minimizing how much you stretch that skin you're actually preventing the formation of wrinkles right so it prevents um, wrinkles but what's what's the long-term effect on the muscle for prolonged not use of muscle because again well, atrophy see, so, right yeah so what what happens is I mean, like, yeah, but the the minuscule muscles that you're injecting are not going to atrophy to the extent that you're really going to notice it okay. as such. Okay, um, I don't really know what like, the atrophy rate of muscles is. Mm, um, um, yeah, but no, like, the way, you know, it re... You know, the, the way it wears off is that the, the Botox toxin, like, it, it breaks down over mm. time and then the machinery rebuilds itself and... The, the, you know, the ships can dock again and business returns right. as usual. It just takes a little while for them to clean up the massacre. Yeah. Um, but they can rebuild. They have the But technology. they can rebuild and they do rebuild and they will continuously right. uh, rebuild, which like that blew my fucking mind. Yeah. I, I didn't, I just didn't know. No, I didn't know um, that either. Which like there are advantages and disadvantages to that, I guess, mm. depending on what you're using it for. What your goals but, are. Yeah, this is, okay, so, like, I kind of want to steer us back onto the, you know, the narrative of, like, how did we get from understanding how this toxin stops acetylcholine activating muscles? Like, how did we get from learning all this mm. from an illness to injecting it into our faces to prevent wrinkles or yeah. whatever? Like, how, like, this still feels like a leap that we haven't quite explained yet. I, if, if it's anything like previous episodes and things, I want to say that it's probably just one fucking guy, some zany business guy with a shitty idea that he performs very unethical trials and things on for the sake of money, and then it sort of ends up right, but not really, but then it's kind of taken on, you know, giving me real hypnosis vitamin vibes. I, <laughs> you know. No, no, it's actually, I think, I think it's more wholesome than that. Okay. I think it's better okay. than that. Uh, it's still very, like, mad scientist vibes a bit, yeah. but it's, it's not, it's, I don't think it's unethical. Okay. Um, so essentially... When they first figured out how this Botox toxin worked, mm -hmm. 
they were like, okay, how can we medically harness this? Because in very, very small doses, if we can paralyze specific muscles, like that's actually very useful. Mm. So like the first kind of thing they started or the first like thing I could find information that they started using it for is something called strabismus, which is like essentially squinty eyes. Mm. So where you're like cross-eyed or you like squint or like you have an issue with one of the tiny muscles that sits around your eyeball and Mm. changes like, you know, how we can look to the left and look to the right. And, you know, that's, there's a bunch of different muscles in there. It's a very intricate system actually. I can imagine now that I'm thinking about that. Yeah, Yeah, I had to learn the muscles for like undergrad anatomy and it was a lot, but Essentially, if you have an issue with like eye alignment and you can specifically paralyze one of those muscles, mm. it it can fix it. Right. And it does fix it. Yeah. And it did fix it. Um But again, so, would that be just like a temporary fix for like the three yeah, to six you'd months, have whatever to, it is? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you'd have to keep coming back. Um and so then it so it started there and then it expanded to other eye related things mm. so there's there's different diseases like with muscle spasms and stuff if there are spasming muscles yeah. you can paralyze those and yeah right you know so essentially it all started off in the the domain of what's called ophthalmology which is like op means eye <laughs> Doctors of the eye. Yeah. Um, and so Dr. Jean Carruthers, who is not a he, but in fact a she. So mm-hmm. like shout out women in medicine, women mm-hmm. in science. Um, Underrepresented. I know. Well, because you were like, I bet it was some guy who mm. just did this. And I'm like, nah. Look at me nah, it was being in, in uh, a... um, uh, not heteronormative, but met that. But assuming men, is there a word for that? Pat. The patriarchy patriarchy. has gotten to you. Um, I'm sure there's a word. My brain doesn't have it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Your um, yeah, sexism. I think might be the word. Sexism. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, (laughs) That's sad that I couldn't think of that. Oh dear, misogyny. Maybe I. I don't know. Uh, male anyway, normative, anyway. male dominated, any whom. Continue, please. So Dr. Jean Carruthers. What has she was done? An, <laughs> she was an ophthalmologist um, and she was essentially the pioneer of turning it from an eye thing to a cosmetic thing. Mm. And now I listened to this podcast, this great podcast that interviewed her because like this this was all happening as like in the early 1990s, right? Okay. So this is when Botox was like, we're very recent. Like Botox is a recent I didn't realize thing. it was that recent. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. Right. So in the early 1990s is when Jean Carruthers, so she's obviously like still alive giving mm. interviews. I listened to a podcast that I can't remember the name of, but I will link it in the description if you want a deep dive of two hours of listening to her talk mm. about all the stories. But I'll give you once again, the Spark Notes version here. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially... The like the way the story goes, according to her, um, according to this interview, she learned about this botulinum toxin, Botox, from some guy in America. Um, she's from Vancouver, yep. took it back over there, started using it to treat the various eye things, as mm-hmm. you do as an eye doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, one of her patients one day came in and noticed that like when she injected a specific spot like on the face or something because i think she was treating like a muscle spasm thing at this point not the Mm. squinty eye thing um the quote was it gave her the most untroubled expression (laughs) and it became like she was like can you please also just inject me here because it actually improved my expression last time and i Mm. i kind of dug it Mm. um now the thing about dr jean carruthers is that she happens to be married to a dermatologist oh that's so 
apparently dinner time discussions included things like how in the 90s like he mm. didn't know how to treat frown lines because apparently that's a thing that i don't know it was a whole issue at the time and right. so it was very present in her mind like the idea of cosmetic skin mm. stuff was very she was aware of it because yeah. of her husband's profession right yeah and so she has this idea she's like oh shit hang on mm. i have a problem i have a sorry i have a solution to this frown lines yep. problem so she injects her secretary. <laughs> Patient number one of cosmetic Botox is, yep. is the secretary, mm -hmm. right? And like, because, and you know, it was, it, I say it's not unethical because for years, obviously this secretary had been watching the eye patients come in mm. and out and get their injections and it work and be completely yeah. safe. So she wasn't scared. She was like, this, yeah. is, this is, this shit is safe. Like yeah. do it. Why not? Like I've got frown lines. Let's, let's give it a go. Yeah. So she did. Um, like then, and then she's trying to recruit other people to act, mm. do an actual study on this because it, like it worked and the mm. effect was profound. It was like, oh, um, and she realized the best way to try recruit people to do a study was to inject herself or sorry, she got her husband to inject her. Mm. So Jean Carruthers was like, okay, I'm going to be patient. Like number two, yeah. inject me so that I can go, Hey, do you want to become be on my study? This is what I used to look like. This is what I look like now. Yeah. And apparently that worked as a way to recruit participants. That's, that's excellent marketing. And Power the idea it. of, you know, putting yourself forward yeah. as the first thing, that's yeah. like, that's the best way to sell it. something. It's, it's like, like, Hey, the it's fine. Because I'm like, going to I'm gonna my, test this on myself. I'm going to put myself on the line for this. You know, that's yeah. No, yep. I, I am on board with that. I respect so, that. So um, it kind of developed from there. She started presenting at like scientific conferences being like, hey, look, I found another use for Botox. Isn't this cool? Mm -hmm. um, and apparently was laughed at because it was frivolous. And then there was this this quote from the pod podcast where she goes, there is nothing less frivolous than wrinkles. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm not like once again, absolutely mm. no judgment mm. if wrinkles are something you want to get rid of. It may, but it just it got me thinking philosophically because mm. I'm like, personally, I don't know. It's kind of like my scars and my whatever. Mm. They, I feel like my wrinkles would tell a story of my life and my aging, and they're not something that I personally would want to get rid of. Yeah. But I can also relate to really strongly disliking parts of yourself and wanting to modify them in order to feel better, look good, feel good kind of vibes. Yeah. Like, um. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting one yeah. because, um, I think it's the idea of you're not wanting to age, maybe wanting to hold on to your youth. I wonder how much yeah, of it is. Yeah. And then it becomes a whole, like how much of that is actually, you know, a, a valid concern or how much of that is, is especially like in mm. industries like Hollywood, where it's, it's a, a very toxic patriarchal pressure that women and that's need to the keep thing i feel like forever. it's a very societally imposed thing because mm. it's definitely more common with women than it is with men i would say because there's less apparently women and gay men are the yeah, okay. most because they because unfortunately gay men get similar sort of beauty standards, standards thrust yeah. upon them as uh straight because like the idea of a um, man as he gets older getting a bit more rugged you know getting a few more wrinkles yeah, you like, know texture in the sexy, face like, exactly mm. it's you know silver fox kind of vibe but yeah but that 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 kind of more rugged exterior but if you're thinking of like you know the female equivalent of a silver fox like a milf like you you probably still think of one without wrinkles it's like you're like, like she's old but she doesn't have wrinkles exactly that's just kind of what society has told us is the western beauty standard, beauty standard for women in our society is more mm. of you know that and, sort of young woman appearance so that's, and that's why a good i point. would guess you know yeah i was gonna say it's also a good point to flag western and i would also yeah. like to expand upon western and say white um yeah. it's, it's a very botox and wrinkles and like 
people of color like age differently or show signs of age differently like things mm. like skin discoloration and stuff which botox isn't going to fix like wrinkles mm. and stuff are a very they're a very white person problem this is a very white problem yeah um <laughs> and i say problem really sassily but like once again absolutely no judgment because mm. i don't know i just i i think people should feel empowered to you know if and actually actually in the podcast I didn't write notes on this because I wasn't going to talk about it, but now I've decided <laughs> that I want to bring it up. Apparently, there are some studies um, that you could look into. I might link some in the description if I can find them, mm -hmm. where they looked into, like, it's going to sound weird, but, like, Botox as a treatment for depression. Because mm. if that depression comes from low self-esteem that is tied to... Um, your insecurity with how you look or maybe mm. your like existential dread about aging or whatever. Like if any of those things kind of are triggering mm. your depression, then alleviating, you know, making yourself look better or feel more comfortable in your skin. There's evidence that that alleviates that. And I'm kind of like, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, but are we then, is this a band-aid solution? Should we maybe look at the systemic cause of why people mm. are self-conscious about these particular things? But on the other hand, I'm like, how is it different to, for example, like gender affirming surgery for yeah. tra transgender people, right? Like say a trans man has his breast tissue removed mm. in order to feel better about himself. And if that's going to make his mental health significantly better yeah. than like I am all for that and so if Botox does that for some people then like it, I feel like it's like go for it well, that's kind the of thing. thing I like, feel like both it's stances... not up to one person to break down the patriarchal system that created these problems like look after yourself well the ideas aren't know. mutually exclusive you know you can believe in the the power of Botox to help people with their mental health and their depression if it does make them feel good about themselves because you know you could sit here and debate for ages about whether or not those beauty standards are good or bad, whether they're imposed by society, mm. whether they're a natural thing, whatever. But mm. fundamentally, this person isn't feeling good about themselves. This is a solution that they yeah, are happy with. Yeah, and if they we have a way to, to make them feel And better. it works, you know, mm. then fucking and why and it's safe so fucking why not it's why not it, why yeah. not you can you can do that you can treat people with that and then also have a discussion about how did we get here and where can we go from here that doesn't mean we mm. don't have to use the tools at our disposal in the meanwhile before we get to the end of that discussion you know mm. both can mm. exist yeah it's oh, anyway it's all very interesting and i feel like i could talk about this on, like on a you know philosophical level for hours but yeah. we are a science podcast yes. so i kind of <laughs> want to put a pin on it there yeah um, but I thought it was it, like important to talk about a little bit because it's interesting because you can't talk about this stuff without thinking about these elements or at I mean, least of like, course. I don't know. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time over the last like week or so while researching this podcast, mm. thinking about what, you know, physical appearance means to me and like bodily autonomy and body modifications and mm. what's, you know, it, and it's just been an interesting, it's just all very interesting, Yeah. but I'm going to steer us back to like science because Another thing, aside from the fact that it's temporary, another thing that I did not know mm -hmm. before researching this is that it's actually used, like, still, like, it, yes, it started medical, but it is still actually used to treat medical things as a legitimate medical yeah, prescription right. drug for a bunch of different things. Number one, excessive sweating under the armpit. 
You can get Botox injections into your armpit because, like, remember right back at the start of the podcast, I said one of the things acetylcholine does, mm. sweat glands, baby. Uh, or just like, yeah, right. right? So instead of interacting with the neuromuscular junction, if you take that approach, mm. you're going to be messing with the acetylcholine that activates the sweat glands. Mm. And, like, it's not a problem. Like, it's a really effective for treatment for, like, if you get, for example, excessive underarm sweating because, yep. like, sweating is important. You don't want to mm. get rid of all ability to sweat. We yeah. need to be able Otherwise to thermoregulate yeah. and, you know, change, you know, adjust our body temperature. But, like, mm. the amount of sweat gland that you are inactivating compared to your entire body's supply of sweat glands, like, mm. you'll be fine. Like, it's actually... I mean, that's why we wear deodorant, you know. Or yeah, some people, and I mean, if you some have people a wear genuine... antiperspirants, you know. Stop the stop the sweaty sweat again, which is another thing. Was like, oh, is the idea of sweating but being like, bad? But like some people like have thing, a yada, genuine, yada, yada, you know. <laughs> no, but this is this is not cosmetic so much. This is like mm. medical. Like if you have the condition yeah. where you have excessive sweating, yeah, like more than is helpful or like beneficial, and it's starting to like you know actually mess with mm. your life. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a potential solution. Yeah. Uh, another one, migraines. Um, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. Thought you'd be interested in this. Botox to treat migraines. So the thing about this one is that we're not exactly sure why it works, mm. but there is like a decent chunk of, um, you know, evidence to support the fact that it does. Um, some things I read said that it was possibly to do with, because it, the, the way that the nerves transport the pain information to your brain, like, does it disrupt the pain signal? And But you inject it into muscles, right? So they inject it into muscles in the back of the neck okay. or the forehead or sometimes the tra trap muscles, like those shoulder ones. Mm. I don't know how to describe that audio-ly, yeah. but, you know, your traps. Yeah. Um, and so is it to do with the fact that, you know, you do store a lot of tension in those muscles and sometimes, like, that muscle tension or even spasms in those muscles mm. can cause migraines if we, you know... So for that treatment of migraines, those. is that, like people who chronically get migraines all the time, yeah. it reduces that as opposed yeah. to, oh, I've got a migraine coming on, let me just chuck yeah, a quick yeah, yeah. Botox no, no, in because me. It doesn't happen immediately either. Yeah, okay. It takes like 10 days or something for the Botox okay. to take effect. Like cosmetic or any type. Like, it, you know, you go, you get your treatment and then 10 days later you'll see the effect. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's for like, if you get chronic migraines, it's a way to potentially reduce those. Yeah, um, right. And then the final, I mean, there's there's a few other things that, but one, um, overactive bladder is one that they also, mm. they inject it into your bladder, which is really interesting because the type of muscle tissue that makes up the bladder generally is, is a different type of muscle tissue that works a bit differently and it doesn't actually require a nerve impulse to activate okay. right smooth muscle tissue it's a bit different yeah but the condition of overactive bladder because your bladder is also there are also nerves that go there it's kind of like a you know it's a double system it's a, yeah. once again very complicated very cool the human body fucking rocks <laughs> um but the over overactive bladder is caused by overstimulation of those bladder muscles so by shutting off those nerves and just letting the smooth muscle do its thing, uh. you you essentially treat this thing that leaves people, like, leaking incontinence. Like, it's a, you know... A very 
Botox. Debilitating thing. Botox. In your bladder. That's crazy. Like, and look that, at that's... us harnessing biotoxins and using them for good. And like, that's such a cool counterintuitive way of, of doing that because you'd think that paralyzing the bladder would either make you just piss constantly or never be able to piss. But yeah, you know, the but body's more complicated the, like... than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, I just. Oh. So. Look, that's kind of all I had to talk about with mm. Botox. Um, no, that is awesome. That is, I, I've learned so much from yeah. that. It's more I thought than it just would be the, a uh, fun final one because it's like, it's not what you expect when you're like, oh, I'm going to talk about Botox. And yeah. then I'm like, let me hit you with some neuroscience. That's right. Tricked you. Because uh, <laughs> I knew I, I knew it was already a deadly toxin. That was something I already knew. And we just used yep. it in small quantities. And I knew it sort of maybe paralyzed stuff, but I had no more knowledge other than that. So that's really cool to see yeah how it can be used in so many other ways and how I know. It and like about. you know to kind all of all from sausage meat <laughs> all from sausage meat so does right? that mean botox isn't vegan no because it's the bacteria that creates the toxin so i suppose how we get it now is we like bread it or fine and if you don't if you think that bacteria like it's Meat is not the only way that you can get the bacteria. Okay. It's just like the most common, right? right? And if you think that having bacteria in your stomach makes you not vegan, I have some very bad news <laughs> for you. Um, there's a lot of bacteria that lives in our stomach yep. constantly. It's, a lot of it's pretty good. Um, but before we shuffle onto the listener question, I want to just like throw back quickly to that moment that you you had your little existential moment of like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> When we get into like this molecular level stuff, the body mm. is complex. Like mm. this is why I love science. This yeah. is why I love specifically neuroscience, but also physiology and all of these things. Because like, you know, I tell people like all of our listeners out there, you don't need to know about the mechanisms mm. of snare proteins and vesicles and acetylcholine binding. Mm. Like, like you don't need that in your life, right? Mm. That's not going to help you in your day. But it's function. fucking cool. But gaining an appreciation yeah. for like just how much has to go right. Or in this case, like wrong, like just how much detail goes on in the body for you to just experience the world as you do. Like, just for I any just, it, life I just, to exist. Mm. Like the whole field of biology is just, you know, the study of, life and these organic systems mm. and compounds and the way they work mm. together. And I remember in high school, biology was always my, my least favorite because it was a lot more rote learning. I could never get my yeah, head around it. Yeah, I didn't even do it. biology it in was high just school. Like, Look at me now. <laughs> oh. And, you know, I'm still definitely a, a physics simp because, you know, my mm. mind is just blown at the scale of cosmology. But mm. fuck, I've, I've grown a greater appreciation for biology and the systems after co-hosting the show for the last two years you know and how that is the greatest the compliment are. that you could give me <laughs> that I have been able to translate my love and my obsession with this like molecular mm. level stuff that like people just don't care about because the way that it's taught is so shit to be yeah, frank yeah. like quite often it is so shit and then I come in with my analogies and my stories and you know and not just me other co-hosts like you know shout mm. out to our whole immune universe episode yeah. with Catriona where we explain the immune system like this shit like you don't need to know it but it's it's really really cool when it's explained in a way that clicks for people mm -hmm. and you know that's why I do this show <laughs> okay that's why we getting do emotional we do. I have more. I have more. I have more. <laughs> Not about Botox, but we have a listener question. Listener to question. Answer, so I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your blow your mind one more time mm -hmm. this season. Um, so this one I picked this listener question because it felt kind of relevant in a weirdly tangential 
ten tangential ten tangential is correct yep oh, i'm communicator <laughs> my name is communicate um so but i'm gonna read it as it was written because once again fucking hilarious i yep. love our listeners they always <laughs> they they deliver so from gabe um <clears throat> Why do my fingers and toes feel like I've been hit with some Sultana curse whenever I have a bath? <laughs> Sultana curse. Right? I know exactly Beautiful. what they're talking about. But exactly, right? You know exactly what they're talking about because it's 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 when your fingers wrinkle. And this yeah. is why I was like, it's relevant to Botox because wrinkles. Oh, but like, it's, If it's... I may tell a, a gross story, I don't know. Please. If... Whether or not I'll I mean, end up keeping this in because it is kind of gross. We'll see in post I whether or not I'm cut. So recently I went on a nice long motorcycle trip for a week down south uh-huh. to the coast. It was wonderful. It was amazing. I won't go into it too much. But at a certain points along this, because I was riding for, you know, like four or five hours at a time, it would rain for an hour and then not rain for an hour, rain for an mm-hmm. hour, not for, rain for an hour. Um, but one of the legs of the journey... I didn't quite have the tops of my boots covered up by my pants. So the rain got into mm, my shoes, no, soaked through my worst. socks. So I was, re- and that was like right in the first hour of this ride. So I was riding Fuck. for like, you know, the whole day. It wasn't until yeah, the good. end of the day that I could, good, you know, good. get out and take my boots off. And, yeah. you know, a very mild case of trench foot, very mild case of trench foot. And I, if you can imagine those prunes on your fingers, but the in, not not just like the tips of my toes, the entire sole of my foot, the mm, entire sole mm-hmm. of my foot is the, was the most crazily disgusting wrinkle yeah. thing I'd ever seen in my life, and it was both of both of my feet, and it, it gets to a point where it like wrinkles up so much that it actually starts to hurt, and you yeah. really have to let it dry out so your foot doesn't fucking get all shitty. Um, and you know, knowing now what i know mm. about why this happens it makes perfect sense to me that the whole sole of your foot did mm. that um so please tell me why did i why did i get mild trench foot for having my so, foot soaking in water for five hours <laughs> okay it, it it happens i will preface it with it like you know this is the wrinkling sensation that happens when you're submerged or like your fingers toes feet, hands, whatever, mm-hmm. submerged in water for more than 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, this effect will tend to happen. And first of all, I loved this question when I first saw it, not just because of the way it was written, but I was mm. like, like, I thought I, I thought I knew the answer or I could at least make an educated guess. I was like, oh yeah, this is an easy one. Like I, mm. I, I can guess why this happens, right? Like it's probably the result of some type of like osmosis, right? Like if there's water that gets into the outer layer or some layer of the skin and the skin expands, but then the tissue and bone and muscle below it doesn't expand, then Mm. you have a surface area issue and you get wrinkles. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense, right? Like, uh... I I started researching and I was wrong. Okay. I was incorrect. Okay. Like if I was writing a clickbait fucking article on this topic, the title would be something like, you know, why wet skin wrinkles? The answer might not be what you think. <laughs> the truth will shock you. Cause like, bro, but this is another neuroscience thing. Oh, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's wrinkly so, hands and feet. What's that got to do with the brain? Oh, uh, I mean, once again, the nervous system is more than just the brain and spinal cord. Yeah, we okay. also have other nerves. Yeah. But it's, yeah, so, okay. Mm. I, I, so this is, you know, me, get, this humbled me. I was like, okay, shit, I don't, I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And this is why I researched this stuff before I record my mm-hmm. podcasts. 
So, first of all, I would like to say that in my defense, this kind of vague osmosis theory is essentially what scientists also thought up until about the 1930s. Okay. So I'm only about a hundred years. That's out better of than, date with better my, than some, you know, you know. Uh, misconception. Yeah. But then in about 1935, mm-hmm. some doctors noticed something very interesting mm-hmm. that this wrinkling effect didn't happen in patients with nerve damage. Okay. More specifically, it wasn't just like, oh, it doesn't happen at all in this person with any kind of nerve damage. No, no. One, one example was there was a patient that had lost feeling in three of his fingers, mm. right? But he still had feeling in, in two of them. He found, they like the researchers, they found that when this, this patient got his hand wet, mm-hmm. only the fingers that could still feel wrinkled. The others did not. They stayed okay. smooth. Okay. So, like... This tells us, right, that this Sultana curse, like, isn't just some passive process caused by the flow of water into the skin. Like, it's mm. it's an active nervous system response to the prolonged moisture. Right. Like, so our body it is going, to oh, we feel the moisture in order to trigger the pruning response. Yes. So it happens. It's it's a yeah. So that like implies the, as well that the body is actively pruning it rather than that's just that's just something that happens. Uh-huh. It's not like sunburn. The body does that uh-huh. itself. What the fuck? Right? Okay. Right? So essentially like the the way the mechanics if you care about that side of it that happens is that, you know, um the the wrinkling the the water activates something in the, in the glands under the skin which then constricts the blood vessels and causes them to you know cause wrinkles and stuff mm-hmm. which makes you know sense because the sultanary fingers like sultanas are dehydrated they're not bloated yeah. so it's not water getting in there like it's you know when you actually water think about sucking it, it, out of it, it it's it almost like drying makes more sense. The under side yeah. of the skin um but I I don't think that's the interesting answer to the question I think mm. the why does it happen because <laughs> Because it's an active process, right? This makes you think. If it's an active process that our body has developed, like there's probably some reason why, like some evolutionary mm. advantage to getting wrinkly fingers when you get wet. I have heard a hypothesis on why. I don't know if it's the one you're about mm-hmm. to say or not. Um, that when your hands are wet, they'd be a little more slippery. So by adding the the little wrinkles in there, it means your hands can grip stuff better if you've been working in and around moisture, like underwater or in the rain or whatever. So we can still use our hands and our feet or whatever to use mm-hmm. tools or climb or whatever by making our fingers more grippy, even in moist conditions. But as I'm yeah. saying that out loud, I don't know, because, you know, you lick your finger to get more grip on a piece of paper. So I don't know if no, water no, makes no, stuff no. more slippery, but... You are actually... Well, I don't want to say you are correct, because okay. once again, we're kind of in the very early days of figuring out w- w- why. Um, but that is essentially the current leading theory, right? right? Is that it gave our ancestors better grip when they were working in wet conditions, like, mm. I don't know, gathering... Food from a stream? Is that what? Food from I know a, a lot of science, but my like history a... of the human species is poorer what? than it probably should be. Um, yeah. Or like, okay, food was gathered from streams. Rocks, like you know, walking across slippery rocks. I point is the yeah. point is that I want to get to is that like yes, you are correct, and mm. there is actually some research that backs up this theory. Okay. So real quick, there is a study that came out in 2013 where some evolutionary biologists, Mm. like, they tested this theory by asking, like, what they did is they got 
bunch of subjects. Um, half of them soaked their hands, or maybe I think they did all of them and did a repeated measures, but essentially mm. half of them soaked their hands in, in water for 10 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and the others had dry hands. Um, and then what they did is they got the, the ones with wrinkly fingers mm-hmm. and the ones with non-wrinkly fingers to pick up a variety of like wet objects, like wet marbles and yeah. stuff. Um, and also then dry versions of the same objects. Mm. And they found that the subjects with the wrinkly fingies, they picked up the wet objects 12% faster than those with uh, smooth fingers. Right. Um, there was no difference with the dry objects. Okay. Which like kind of begs the question as to like, if wrinkly skin gives us better grip, then why isn't it like that all the time? But I think the the thinking is that when your skin's all wrinkled, it's less sensitive. So ultimately you're better off not having that unless you're in those very specific situations where you need wet grip. Yeah. Now, in terms of why it gives you more grip, because mm. you're like, you know, like you said, if you lick your finger, it gives you more grip in that sense. Yeah. But why, when you lick your finger, you're not giving yourself like you're not giving wrinkles. yourself prune finger. What you're doing is creating something to do with that. Something about the moisture on your fingers creates more friction with, with paper. Mm. I don't know if it does it with other things, but yeah, really, but with, but... with dry objects, right. But yeah. with wet objects, like if you're trying to pick up a wet marble, mm. just cause that's the example from the study, right? Yeah. If your fingers are wrinkly, you'll pick it up better. And the, like the reason that they think that this makes sense is it's like a good analogy is, is, the tread on a tire, right? So like not necessarily all tires, but like if you think about like motorbikes, because I like to think about motorbikes, you like to think about motorbikes. I do. But like, I don't know if you guys have seen the difference between like a dry weather go fast tire is going to be smooth. Like it's super smooth. Basically slick. Like Yeah, it is. Um, But the wet weather ones have tread marks. Mm. And the reason for the tread marks is essentially to direct the water away so you don't aquaplane as you're zooming along on your motorbike, right? So we, we think that like, we're doing that with our fingers or like with our toes. If you're, if you're, uh, you know, walking in water, you've essentially just put tread marks on your feet so that you don't so, slip. So you don't aquaplane. Cause I thought yeah. that's all slipping is, right? That's, it's just. Yeah, uh. exactly. So Gabe, it's not a Sultana curse. It's a Sultana Gift. blessing <laughs> that, you know, could save your life one day when you're running away from a wolf barefoot in a stream. I don't know. That's cool. Like, I think the most interesting thing about that to me is the fact that it's an active process that the body does and it's not yeah. just a passive response. That's the right? complete opposite of what I thought. That's really Same. cool. Same. Like uh. I read the question and I was like, oh yeah, like I can, this is fine. And then I looked into it and I was like, no, that feels, so, that's cool. What I'm hearing is Botox is a treatment for trench foot. Well, Because no. if you're shutting off the nerve thing, because Botox paralyzes the muscle, meaning that the nerve can't communicate. And if you can't feel and can't do the thing with the nerve, then your body doesn't do the active response to the moisture. So then the bottom of your feet don't get all wrinkly. So if you're about to go trudging through mud for a while, chuck some Botox in the bottom of your feet. Yeah, you won't be able to feel, but... Okay, so based on everything that I've told you this episode, that sounds perfectly logical and plausible and, and you know, makes sense. But uh, the caveat is that, like... Acetylcholine does a lot, but it doesn't do absolutely everything. Right. And the thing is, because this particular type of wrinkling is not, it's not a muscular wrinkling, like, right, like the face wrinkles, right? Mm. It's, it's caused by, like I said, the blood vessels constricting. Yeah. Now, to do with your peripheral nervous system, what acetylcholine does is it 
does the opposite of constrict your blood vessels. It dilates them and expands them. Ah. Um, it's actually norepinephrine that constricts them because the body is complicated and we have systems like this. So Botox might actually... Make it worse? <laughs> do the opposite because it would stop the ability for them to unconstrict and they might constrict more and perma wrinkles yes. well um, six month wrinkles six months trench so, foot <laughs> okay look, i think Damn. this is something it that was needs a nice more research, idea but, but yes once again this stuff is fucking complicated and yeah. but like good thing like based on everything i said like that yeah. was a perfectly logical train of thought um well, it's but, just because we talked about one directly after the other i had to make a tacit link somewhere i know i know and like <laughs> look i i'm impressed that you, you you got you got more or less the the correct idea mm. just kind of the opposite hey, but that's that, all right that's okay. i didn't have all of the information you didn't and have now all the information I, no, I, i'm not gonna say i have all of the information now but i have more information i you hardly more information. i hardly exactly. know everything there is to know about the uh the nervous system and you know what me neither <laughs> and i've been studying it for many a year now and many a year all of it. the years so many years <laughs> anyway <laughs> Anyway, that brings us to the end, not just of this episode, but this season. Yes. Yes. Of Curiosity Killed the Rat. Thank you so much Ooh. to all of our listeners. Whether you've been here from the start or whether you're like, you know, relatively new, do not stress. We are coming back. We will come back in the new year. Mm -hmm. We just We need some we tired, time, man. We need some we tired. Time. We need some we we need a break. We need a, you know, but we'll come back like refreshed and excited. And mm -hmm. I've got a couple of like exciting guests potentially lined up for next season. We've got and some like cool it's gonna topic be time. ideas lined up. Like we're pretty yeah, excited. Yeah, oh so many and still like listener questions I'm yet of to course. get to. So, so keep you know, sending if, them in over the break as well. Yeah, we yeah, will exactly. save them, we'll back them up and curiosityrat at gmail.com is that address curiosityrat at gmail.com yeah and you know if you want to keep track on our socials we'll be posting about when we're planning on coming back etc mm -hmm. so if you don't already follow us uh our handle is curiosityrat on twitter or instagram where you can find our facebook page and also last but not least we do have a patreon mm -hmm. we work our butts off for this show mm -hmm. if you have the money and you appreciate what we do there is a way you can give it to us. No pressure, no stress, free education for all, but it exists. Mm -hmm. So there's myself, Spruik. <laughs> With that, Matthew, is there anything else that you would like to add before we wrap up this good old 2021 season? 2021. It's It's been a ride. It's been, it's a, ride. been a ride. I'm looking forward to next year. May it bring many amazing scientific endeavors. Let's hope that... The world sorts its shit out a little bit by then. <laughs> we'll have to do a big old we COVID update at the start of uh, at the start of next year in our quasi documentation of the pandemic through the form of scientific <sighs> communication. Yep. Um, yep. But again, thank you to the listeners for mm. sticking with mm. us, sending in the questions, and listening to us. We appreciate y'all. And thank you Come to back. you, Kate, for putting in the hard yards of researching every single fortnight and thank you for putting in the hard yards of editing all the you know times i fuck it up <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we both do our job it's great and yes. thank you matthew for being the watson of the, show. <laughs> <laughs> the foil i i appreciate it i i am um, harry potter um Sure, take it. Wear the I am the boy who lived. <laughs> I sure hope so. And with that, guys, we will catch you on the flippity flop. Peace out. Peace out.
see you later. Yogi Curiosity. Kill the rat. Curiosity. Kill the rat.